Good morning. I'm Cheryl Wilkerson, and it's time for On the Line. Maynard Scales and myself host the Hot 91 Morning Show weekday mornings from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. It's right here at Hot 91. Recently, we spoke with Delegate Jackie Glass from the 89th District. Here's some of that conversation. It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Delegate Jackie Glass is uh, a delegate from the city of Norfolk area, right? And mm-hmm. she's a state delegate. You live right here in, in Norfolk, in Ballington Place. Yep, right up the street. Right up the street. So you, you are... You know, not in the ivory tower. You're right here, a, a person, a pe- a person among the people. Yeah. Uh, thank you for showing up and being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yo, so Cheryl, I was looking on the Facebook a couple of days back, the and book. I realized on the Facebook that the delegate was having a town hall coming up this Thursday. Yeah, this uh, Thursday, uh, the twenty eighth at five thirty at Freemason Church. What we're trying to do is like I do these every single month. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's virtual or in person, we got a fairly large dis- district, over 80,000 people. So, you know, just providing opportunities to let people know what they can hold me accountable for and mm-hmm. then hear them out at the same time. And, um, you know, what kinds of things do people typically what are the typical like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why this or why that? You, you know, the biggest, I think, state level concern I get is with um, employment benefits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. employment benefits and wow. i get a lot of letters from incarcerated folks so mm-hmm. those are probably the two biggest things um that i deal with outside of that you know it is a lot of uh, uh directing traffic right mm-hmm. getting people to they come to me with something i'm like all right you need to call this person in the city right mm-hmm. sort of empowering with information to know what my role is versus what the local government does versus what the state level does as well So the incarcerated folks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about that. I'm curious about that because here's the, here's the problem. You're incarcerated. Yeah. Theoretically speaking to a lot of people, you're unrepresented. You're no longer even a citizen. We took your right to vote away. We, we make you check the box. We, we, our society throws away our incarcerated people. Yeah. Do they matter to you? Yeah, they have to. Some of them are my constituents. Right? Okay. I'd get letters from, um, you know, because I'm prior military, I've gotten several um, letters from incarcerated uh, veterans. But mm-hmm. um, most times they're asking about, you know, telling us about their conditions and um, oh. or, you know, asking for help with, you know, their conviction, you know, in Unfortunately, there is a mindset of some people that they're all guilty and that's not necessarily the case, but we have some resources that we point, you know, point them to, to get the process running if they feel like um, they need support with their conviction. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to conditions, I'll call Mm -hmm. DOC, uh, Department of Corrections, excuse me, or when families call and say, hey, I haven't heard from my, my loved one in a minute, or I'm trying to figure out how, where they transported them, we can make that call and just bridge that gap of information and get out of the middle right sort of make the initial call give them the number where they can keep checking up and, and get out of the middle yeah yeah so um you know let's let's set this up real quick so okay. we make sure that people understand so uh delicate jackie glass is right here in norfolk there is a district number or a yeah 89 the 89th district yeah. that she represents that covers uh as she said eighty thousand folks which let me explain that's pretty much a third of the city of Norfolk. Yeah. So we've got the whole 
uh, downtown area all the way down here to, you know, the Broad Creek, the right. NSU, all mm-hmm. the way down to the south side. We've got the whole mm-hmm. Berkeley, Campostella area as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's the area that we're charged with here, mm-hmm. with representing. And so uh, if you live in, in any of these areas, or if you live in the city, of North, if you mm-hmm. live in all of Hampton Roads, I'm certain that while she may very well may not be your delegate based on your address, yeah. she's still your delegate yeah. based on the fact that she stands for the people. Yeah, yo, I was in Wawa one day while I was in session in, in, up in Richmond, and I was just looking around me, and I'm like, yo, we're making decisions that affect everybody up in here. Everybody. And it was it was just like a, a moment of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you go to Norfolk, and you're going to, we spend 85 of our, 85% of our time down here in district. And that's what I think is a myth is that I'm always in Richmond. I'm in Richmond for a finite amount of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 45 to 60 days straight at at one point coming home on the weekends. But the decisions that we make impact uh, 8 million Virginians in some way, shape or form. And that's that's kind of heavy because and I'm, an, I'm weird. I'm I was a former cryptologist. So I'm a numbers person, but uh, like only. Point zero two percent of Virginians are legislators. Right. Get the opportunity to bring laws forth and things like that so like you can't take lightly one the the step of getting here but like the duty and responsibility that we have right. in it for eight million people it's now real. now jackie you uh yes. you you come from uh, yeah. a, a long and rich <laughs> political family you you your, <laughs> your father must have been governor somewhere uh you, you mother know. in the senate yeah. <laughs> or are you just a regular person who nah. saw something and did something not yet no 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 so i'm originally from the chicagoland area and okay. and i'm be really frank is you know when i i joined the military right after high school and i was when i was in the navy people always told me don't go to norfolk Mm. Don't why? go. I'm. I'm. T- that's the. Listen. That's you. Do, do they need a reason why? <laughs> do you know what I mean? No. What I mean by that is that people get these perception of spaces and places, and it gets perpetuated, mm-hmm. right? Like people. Mm-hmm. Do, and my husband was here in the early '90s and was like, "Yo, this is the place to be for mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you want to do." Um, and I don't know what he meant by the stuff I wanted to do. I guess it's like always being. Let me. I was told my whole life I talk too much and I don't know how to mind my own business. And that's all I do now. So, like, I think that's what he meant. <laughs> that's what he meant. So if you told kids, if you told you talk too much, it may come in handy. But, um, yeah, he fell in love with Norfolk in, in 96 and said this is where he wanted to be and probably where I needed to be. And like most cases, he was right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oh, wait, whoa, 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 say that again about your husband. <laughs> he was what? He was right. I don't mind saying it. All um, right. You ladies. Know, like in most cases. Most cases. Most ladies. Times most, hear what she said. Listen, <laughs> but, but I also expect that to uh, be reciprocated okay. when I'm right. Right. Like, <laughs> let the let the record state. <laughs> no, we're just, you know, everyday folk. I, I'm, like I said, originally from the Chicagoland area. My husband's from the Connecticut area. We've got two little citizens, uh, mm-hmm. a Maury High Schooler and a soon-to-be middle, middle schooler. And it's you just trying to live. I'm making gas decisions, too, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's, you know, and, and be representative. So something brought you to um, to to service. So obviously you chose to serve in the Navy. Yeah. But, so, you know, when you got out, man, you know, you could have been, been a defense contractor real easy. You yeah. could have done any of these things where you can get all the money in the world and you don't have to continue to serve people. Or listen I, to people's problems. You got misconceptions of veterans, man. They already we're trying to get right with the way they treat them. But no, man. 
it may be the not minding your own business part and also mm-hmm. being sort of this stick to it of like something ain't right. Then I say like, okay, is it not right? Let's find out what it's, what it says it's supposed to be. And if it is a way that is discriminatory, because we all know like discrimination is only, it's, it gets bad when it's not profitable. Like then you got to do something about it. And so like, it's been a journey of like, just not minding my own business or just trying to do do what I feel is better. And, and there's, there's a, and it's important to know, like uh, there's an ego in there that has to be checked when you think you always have the answers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. it is a process of like checking that thing in me. That's like, I know <laughs> mm-hmm. the kid waving their hand in the classroom while listening to the needs of other folk. But mm-hmm. yeah, but we don't expect anything that we don't inspect. And I think that's what has allowed me to be successful is I have this expectation of things but when I'm asking for them, we go back in and check. And that's one of the most dangerous things I think we can do is educate our elected to the point where they don't expect anything that they aren't willing to inspect. And so you have these young citizens that you, as you said, but yeah. you do so many things for your constituents. I mean, you got the open house that you do, you do yeah. Live Facebook. I mean, how do you juggle all of this? You're teaching people how to make laws. How do you juggle all of this? I have a, a phenomenal support system. I, you know, I believe that village is a verb, and I think the folks around me believe that too, right? It's in action. It's a thing that we do, and I'm really, really fortunate to have some some people that love me <laughs> enough to help me find that balance. Like, I'm not on social media a lot because I got three friends that were like, hey, Jack, we'll take a week apiece. And nice. do your do your social media when it comes to my you know my little citizens my husband's an air traffic controller so he's working a week of nights a week of days a week of nights a week of oh, days yeah. I got folks that are like hey if you need me to show up to that game early I'll show up and be there and then you get there when you can you know like mm-hmm. and and then also under my 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 little citizens my 15 and my 11 year old. Uh, grant me so much grace mm. because there is a lot of guilt mm-hmm. um, in pursuing the things that you want to do while trying to um, be responsible for the upbringing of another person. But I think I've told them and I, I feel very strongly about this. And again, this was a new revelation that I would be doing a disservice to them if I didn't show them because they're going to do more of what I do than what I say. Well, while you're feeling the little bit of guilt, they are feeling the immense proud you know, yeah. this is my mother. I am so proud. Yeah. This is what she's teaching us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so what is the main thing that citizens are saying now? And do you see more and more citizens out here getting involved than you thought? Yeah. So the main thing right now is quality of life, you know, money. <laughs> mm. That's not even funny. We are having conversations about what it costs to live and be and how to be in Norfolk specifically, but also across, you know, across the United States. And that's, that's real. Um, I have a gas, I mean, I have a, um, a bill account, right? Me and my husband, every month we put the same amount of money. Well, he put more than me right now, (laughs) (laughs) but we put this, uh, we have our share, right? Our fair Mm -hmm. share bill account Mm -hmm. for the past three months. We've had to top that bill account up. Now we're fortunate enough where it's not a thing to top it up, but uh, like we've had to top it up upwards to $350, What does that say? Mm -hmm. So I think, just as I'm feeling it from a middle class privileged place, got the time to be running for office, like people are feeling that. And so that I mean, I think that's the realest thing. My friends with college kids are, are feeling it mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yo, it right. costs more. Like it's real. Um, but um, I think that 
people are getting more engaged and it's several, several things. I try to do this with intent, right? Um, I think I show up as myself and I've had, you know, a gentleman say like, man, when you walked in this room and you had your sneakers on and them colors, I was like, is she a delegate? I'm going to pay attention more. Okay. If that's the thing that gets you to pay attention more, Mm -hmm. great. But also when I speak, I try to make sure that, um, it comes from like be myself when I speak. And if, I use African-American vernacular. I use it. The point is still salient and valid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't have to have this level of perfection uh, to be participatory and that um, that there is space. And I'll say that space is being granted because my son's generation is like, I don't, I don't care. Show up. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you're wearing or what you like. And do the right thing. And there, mm-hmm. there, necess- there hasn't necessarily been that space for people to do that. You know what I'm saying? And I think... That has been a crucial piece. It's been a very hard piece. I'll be honest. My first couple of weeks in General Assembly were difficult because mm-hmm. of how I showed up. But um, I think it has invited people in to a space that they belong in in the first place. So you heard the negative, but you embraced the positive that that you got. Well, yeah. I okay. said that if, if they're not going to if they're going to talk about listen. <laughs> If folks are going to make sure that I know that my hair is too nappy and that my sneakers make me look unintelligent, then they'll find something, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to they're gonna find right. something. Right. Yeah. And so it was a negotiation with myself of like, do I continue to walk this hard path of not being taken seriously um, by a faction of people, right? Like, uh, I'm sure it's a small number of people, or do I be comfortable and do this job well in my own skin. And there was really only one choice to make because I recognize I only got here because people, I, because of the way I showed up to these people down here. And that would be disingenuous to well, switch it up. Well, let, let me let me tell you a little bit. You said, you know, you are in the 89th, correct? Yes. And and so you, you are aware that um, previously a long-serving uh, uh, delegate was Yvonne Miller. Yeah, uh, who was a, uh, a a graduate from Norfolk State as well as a, a professor here, and um, one of my professors once I was in school. But uh, I, I did I produced a television show with her, or, or where we interviewed her, and she shared how she came to the house. As you kind of talk about how you show up as your natural self, yeah. And um, at the time, uh, there had not been any black women who were um, who had been elected to the the House of Delegates. And they almost they were treated like the maids. They were they were mistaken for maids. They were spoken to as they were maids. And she showed up as her natural black self, yeah. as the black excellence that she that she represented. And um, and I hear a lot about I hear a lot of that. I, and I don't even know if you knew these stories about her, but I hear that in what you're saying. And um, it's it's just it's so transcendent. It comes from one generation to the next, yeah. and that. Uh, you know, one of the things that you uh, you kind of mentioned before was you started your path on um, seeking Policy better, mm-hmm. see, yeah, seeking yeah. changes when you were in, in the military, when you were talking about um, how we police black and brown bodies in different ways. And, and one important way is how we police black women's hair. Tell me yeah, about man. that. Yes. And, and, and as I'm listening, like, yeah, that goes back to the very reason, you know, that uh, the first piece of policy that I was able to be a part of was, you know, in the military, these standards that they had for us were unrealistic. And on, on an eight or nine month deployment, you know, 
the hair of a sister can go through some <laughs> fridge. Okay. The ship stow, which is the little store that they got. They got Pop-Tarts, but they definitely ain't got no grease. You know, like they ain't got no moisturizer. So uh, just the standards that they had was unreal. When I got off of, you know, sea duty um, and I was an instructor, I was galvanizing the younger girls that were coming in every time. I was in, in a field that didn't, you didn't see a lot of women. You definitely see didn't see a lot of black folks in. Um, but when they did come in, um, I would say, I need you to write this letter. <laughs> like, give them this template, and we're writing to the Office of Uniform and Military Standards. Like, you need you to say, like, this, it's bias. You know, like, all of it's bias. We couldn't have micro braids. We couldn't, we could only wear, like, prison cornrows if we wanted our hair braided. It was just looking at where we are now, it seems really wild. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes a it takes a push and a, and a pull. Mm. But, um transitioning now to being in the house and what what miss miss miller went through is i i feel like the ghosts are in the room Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like when you're in there and you're looking at the pictures of these white dudes on the wall and then you're looking around like the way the room is set up the ghost of those black folks that were you know not seen but Mm -hmm. are in the room on the top of that the children are in the room Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a program that uh the state runs called the the page program like pages yes 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 and we've got a bunch of eighth graders that come up and during the school year and they are working they get paid they still go to school and they're in the room when we're having these conversations when we're doing what we do all the time Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a holding of the hands of what we're showing them one to be um to do and how to be respectful or, or whatever that is that we're showing them we we're giving them a glimpse into the thing so i just am very cognizant of who I am in that room because the kids are watching and I believe the ghosts are watching. And I think I survived this last session with those, those young people. Um, I think they knew the way the other adults were behaving and specifically towards me. And when I would turn the corner to come into the house, there's this little vestibule where they like, they're sitting waiting to get their assignments where they're going to be working in the house. And I would cut the corner and they would go glass, glass, glass. glass." (laughs) I love that. I love that. And that just puffed your chest up and you were like, you could conquer anything that day, right? Big energy. Big energy. I ain't mad at it. So. Kept me moving. You you know, you're from Chicago land and you you join the Navy and after the Navy, you you decide to run for school board and you you decide to run for delegate and and now you're serving people yes. and you, certainly gas prices are an issue and and, and inflation is an issue yeah. but some of these things um some of these things we can like oh we can pull this lever and make these things work right we see gas prices are coming down significantly mm-hmm. here in the past handful of 10 15 days um but there are some things that are not uh, I, I guess tra- as transactional, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, not uh, not a mile from here, not a mile from from your front door. There's a school called Booker T. Washington, yeah. and Booker T. Washington is you know you know a, a, a black high school. Uh, it had been the high school for black children, and we want to see Booker T. Washington be the most successful high school, but we have challenges there. In in, in all schools in Virginia, I'm just using Booker T. as a variable. Um, not a mile from your front door, there's uh, issues where people have been hit over the head and robbed or 
drugs or whatever the case may be. These are not just transactional issues. These are issues that exist, and they have um, not something we can just push one button to make it go away. How are we going to um, lead schools into a new direction and fight crime and also find ways that we can have uh, police have good interactions with the community? And that certainly is the city and the state and yeah. counties in certain areas. We don't have county and even the federal government. What's your role in these things? So my role, and I think it's twofold because as an office, when we when the day we got elected, the team and I, we said we need to be principled. Like, what do we stand on? What are our things? Mm -hmm. We said we're here to educate. We're here to advocate. We're here to celebrate and now legislate. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can't do that last piece well without doing the first three really amazing. Mm -hmm. So there is an educational piece on how we get things done. And that's been real of just getting people to know who is responsible for what. Right. Just saying that when you have an incident in the school or when there is an issue that you have with the school, there is a school board. Know that people don't. There are people that don't know that there is a school board. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the system that we have set up is our school board for funds to make uh th make things happen are beholden to a city council. Right. Right? And um between those two things, right? That's our local government. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see and what we feel every single day. Mm -hmm. And my role in that ecosystem is one making the laws, right? Uh, over over that what with how the local governments behave because we're dealing rural state which means whatever the state says or whatever the commonwealth says is what needs to happen down on the local level so understand that we're making decisions that's going to guide what happens at the local level it is a process i think of getting folks to understand where they can go and advocate because if you're coming to me and saying i got a problem with the school you've prolonged your process of getting closer to a solution mm -hmm. right and so mm -hmm. my role is to bridge that gap to know like we eliminate the middleman at every juncture at every junction but you know what makes it easier to solve a problem i don't know money oh <laughs> just being honest okay it, it money and human capital uh, right, Bradley, go ahead and cash app her. <laughs> My cash no. app is empty. So what I mean by that is going to the state. So we uh -huh. worked really hard this last session. It, my whole you know, my whole like platform for next session is pretty much public policy. I mean public safety. But our our city needs money and we got a, a million dollar carve out to do to work on crime. That still ain't enough. Grateful for it, right? Like I'll take I'll take my pennies and my quarters to do the work that I need to do, but I Overstand that we are in a place where politics has a constant um, cycle of funding opportunities and not solutions. And that's real to include my office. Right. Like it's an opportunity. But I know I need to hire two more people mm -hmm. to be really operational and solution oriented. So my role is twofold. It's an educate piece on who the right person is. Right. If if if. Uh, if that street light is out, I need you to download the My Norfolk app and go ahead and put it in there. You ain't even got to call nobody. You ain't got to do nothing. You got to call, like, that sort of thing. If you got an issue within the community, like, what's going on up the street, like, that's a, that is also a phone call. Unfortunately, we done lost all of our community resource officers. We're mm. down to, like, one per sector at this point. Why? Because of money? Uh, we got over 200 and something, 260 vacancies or so. But that's not just a Norfolk problem. 
That's, like, a, that's that, a problem in yeah, every police yeah. department. Yeah, here's what we've <laughs> here's what we've done as a country, right? We uh, when I first got back from session in March that weekend, my son was like, "Hey, mom, there were twelve fights in my school in one day." I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" <laughs> then that same weekend, we had the shooting where the uh, where the young reporter um, um, yes. passed. Yes, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like. This is about people choosing violence as a means to solve problems, to mm-hmm. mitigate conflict, right? Whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Indiscriminate shooting, fights in schools, people are using violence to solve problems, um, mm-hmm. to solve problems. Who are we asking to stand in the middle of that? Who are we asking to mitigate it? We're asking educa- educators and we're asking the police, right? Mm-hmm. And we're also politicizing them. And paying them less and asking them to do more. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like a whole, um, it's a whole ecosystem where there is, we don't have the money to do the things that we don't want to do. But we also have people in the power that are afraid of, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about everyday people afraid of them being the solution because that cracks at that individual person or entity's power. But this is what I don't understand. Yes. Doesn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't the state of Virginia have like a $3 billion surplus or something like that? So why does the state of Virginia have that money sitting there when we have schools that are crumbling, we have infrastructure that's crumbling, we have a surplus. I don't, is some law there that we can't use it? Here, and here's what's important with that, Cheryl, is that the gravity of of our vote... (laughs) I don't think people I think people think we're voting for a person. Right. Mm -hmm. When actually you're trying to vote for a group, because right now being in the minority, some of the bills and some of the ways we want to spend the money, it ain't even being heard Mm. because who gets Mm. to determine who gets to determine what comes to our floor, what comes to our committees. and, And just for, again, educational purposes, that how we budget. Right. There's a whole committee that deals with the money. And you are absolutely right. We had an unprecedented surplus, which we will not have. Right. And we're also operating off of some imaginary money. Right. The casino money. Some of them are being mm, built. Some okay. of the So we've got the imaginary money that is should be coming in once those things are built, plus the surplus. But when we put in amendments for things that we need, let's say like, hey, we want to put in an amendment because we've had a witness protection program, witness protection program in the Commonwealth since 1994, but never funded it. Right. And what happens in communities when they can't be protected for telling on the problem? They just allow the problem to, you know what I mean? So like these things to persist and they say, nah, (laughs) no, it's not going in the budget. That same things happen. That same thing happens with, with the things you're talking about. It happens with schools. Now they'll say we did have an unprecedented amount of money funded for schools. But again, that's what imaginary money, Uh. right? So you are right, but uh, the majority will rules. And so there were some amazing laws that could have been enacted that were not because the leadership says no. Hmm. So it is on mass. So, but 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 I do want to say this is that that is a collective responsibilities um on both sides because everybody has had the opportunity to be in power. That's true. So what we're saying is that politics often is a numbers game and that you know when we vote for one person one time and then we get disappointed at them that they didn't get this done. We also sometimes have to look back on ourselves as the electorate and say, did I vote the next time? Did I get did did I do the things necessary to give? You know, I, I look at it now. I'll take it at the 
at the federal government level. Yeah. We send the president to the to the White House, and he's supposed to go and build, but we don't send him hammers and nails and the, a Congress the, the, or a Senate a, that is a, able to. So what happens? Girl, it, it's not say that, that twice. Say that twice. But that's tr- that's true. So if we're just talking about at the state level, what's happening is is that we have races in other parts of the Commonwealth that are super important to us being able to do good work. So it may not necessarily be the race that I'm going to be in right in the next year, because this city tends to vote pretty consistently democratic. And we know that we share the values of the things that we're talking about, the things you were talking about, Cheryl, right? We share these values, but when it comes to these other places, there are other races that are super tight that if that person doesn't get that seat and we're at a, right now, I think we're at a 48, 52 or something like that, 48, 52 vote Mm -hmm. on everything. 52 is going to win all the time. And and Mm -hmm. just to, just to, just to put it into perspective is that sometimes we don't even get to hear good stuff. We don't even get to vote on it on the floor because it doesn't come, it doesn't even come to the floor. But I reject that when it comes to things such as schools, we know that our students, we know we have students all across the state. We know they all deserve decent schools. They need to have the equipment, the Mm -hmm. infrastructure. We know this. Yep, we do. So we just ignore it because we've we've won a race and now we call ourselves a delegate and we just don't want to because my child's going to private school and I'm okay? I I don't think it's that. I don't think it's an, an, an ignoring. I think it is a the the allocation of the resources for Norfolk Public Schools. The city is putting more in than the state government on the right. schools, right? I think the city has 33% this year. So they're relying on us to to get them the monies. But here's the here's the deeper problem is that the issues that you're specifically talking about, the the deprivation of resources, um, opportunities, and you said it, Maynard, just like the quality school building, right? I don't want a school that got roaches. Right. Is that the, that, I mean, that's real. Um, that's real. But, but it's so deep, <laughs> right? It, the, the issues are so deep, meaning they need more than just two or three or 10 or $80 million. Like, they mm-hmm. need a whole mm-hmm. to, to really do a to really be a part of a, a, a fix. We don't we fund opportunities and not necessarily solutions. And I think it is going. And if, if I'm looking at it from a from a game of this is about resources and getting mm-hmm. our kids because that directly impacts us. Remember, like the reason why I got engaged was schools. schools That's where it yeah. started. It was mm-hmm. like, this is not right. Y'all, this is not this ain't even cool. Um, is that. It's going to take public-private partnerships. Like, uh, uh, to be quite honest, when we have, um, and I'm just going to use this name, like when we have, like, the Centeras of the world, we have the Kalanis of the world, we have these entities that are in our backyard that have a vested interest in the health because I consider education a piece of health, then I think there needs to be a buy-in into helping the city in which you are allowed to call yes. home mm-hmm. um, build because we do, the city is never going to have enough money. The state is never going to give enough money. That's mm-hmm. that is a, that is going to be a constant. We don't have the tax base to do it. And to be quite honest, in a city like Norfolk, that's over 97 percent developed, meaning like we don't really have new places to build things out to get more revenue, to be able to put more towards school, which is why like this casino money, they're saying, hey, we're going to send it towards schools. Right. Anytime we get new revenue, we're sending it towards schools. It's really important um, that our partners be a participatory in those health outcomes, and education is the, one of those pieces. It's weird. 
Uh, and so the, the trick is you. you have to you have to become engaged, everyone. You have to become engaged. The, the city and, and the, the health of the city, the health of the state, the health of your children mm-hmm. and, the, and the place that we're going to leave them yeah. is contingent upon what you are going to do tomorrow to help. Uh, a delegate glass win. Let us uh, share with everyone how they can reach your office. They wanted to send you an email or okay. whatever. Yeah. How do they do this? Um, so you can email me at Dell, that's D E L, short for delegate, J for Jackie, glass like a glass of milk at house.virginia, spelled all the way out, dot gov. So that's Dell J glass at house.virginia.gov. And then you can call our office at 757 472. One, two, nine, three. Uh, Delegate Glass, your time here today with us has been very um, uh, important, impactful, uh, enlightening. And so I I thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you so much. Can we thank all the women women that have helped kept this 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 city together, kept this country together during COVID? Like Mm -hmm. that's where I I give grateful and, and thankfulness to is that women have really held it down uh, let me uh, mothers let me again mention just just for a second dr yvonne miller and, and and mary christian oh my goodness these are the women who um you may not know these names very well or, or know who but these are the women who were the leaders you know 30 years ago who have made and and, and blazed the path 30 40 50 years yeah have blazed the path for you to show up here with black excellence as you are. And I, I salute you and uh, I, I honor you. You have my support. Gratitude. I appreciate it. Hope to earn it every day. Yo, Cheryl. Great information this morning. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was just checking. Great information. I was just checking. All right, Braxton. Yeah. Let's keep it moving, my dude. We are Hot 91. We are the Soul of VA. I want to thank Delegate Jackie Glass for joining Maynard Scales and myself on the Hot Morning Show. You can check us out weekday morning, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. I'm Cheryl Wilkerson, and this has been On the Line. Enjoy the rest of your day, and join me again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.